when God's on your side. Nothing's impossible. We talked about the walls of Jericho last week. Remember that? Everybody was here. Remember that? Israel had crossed the Jordan into the promised land. This is kind of a continuation on this. What happened after that? Israel crossed the Jordan into the promised land. It was after Jericho. And they took over other cities and other kingdoms. Uh, it was common for that time for a king to be over a city. So it wasn't a big, vast country like we have today. But, but like they'd have a city there and they would have a king over that kingdom. And they'd have another city and the king would be over that kingdom. Even though they were the same, the same nationality of people, they would have multiple kings over, over different cities. So, so uh, this was going on. They'd taken over several cities and, and word got around that they were going and taking over places and they were killing everybody in them, everything to breathe. And that's what God had commanded them to do under Joshua's, uh, under Joshua's leadership. So um, they came to the city of, of Gibeon, or they didn't come to the city of Gibeon. Gibeon came to them, actually, um, and they made a peace treaty with, with Israel. They came and told them that they came from a faraway land and that and the, all their, their wine bags of sex were old and they were and they were all depleted and their and their food was rotted and they told them that they it was fresh when they left and, and they and they put on something that it wasn't. Y'all ever read the story before? They put on something that it wasn't and they and they and they deceived them into having a peace treaty with them, even though God had told them not to have peace with anybody. They'd go there and take it over and completely destroy them, kill them, hamstring their horses, burn the cities down, and, and don't keep anything. Y'all gonna be this quiet all day long today? No. I know some of y'all read these stories, right? I'm a participatory preacher. I need to remind you, okay? The more amens and head nod you get going on, the quicker we get you out of here. Woo! Come on. <laughs> so Gibeon, they deceived, they deceived the nation of Israel. So they signed a peace treaty without consulting God. Big mistake right there, right? Yeah. So, so five Amorite kings formed an alliance to attack, to attack the city of Gibeon, to attack the king in the city there of Gibeon. So they sent a message. <laughs> they sent a message to Joshua. I'm just laying the groundwork so I can get where I'm going today. They sent a message to Joshua to come and protect us. We signed a peace treaty with you. Come over here and fight for us and protect us. We're being we're being attacked by these five different cities. So so then we're going to pick up there in Joshua 10, 7 through 14. So Joshua ascended right there. See that word right there? We're going to talk about this a little bit later. Ascended. So that means they were going uphill, right? Mm -hmm. He ascended from Gilgal where he was at. He and all the people of war with him, and all the, the mighty men of valor. And the Lord said to Joshua, Do not fear them, for I have delivered them into your hand. Not a man of them shall stand before you. And Joshua therefore came upon them suddenly, having marched all night from Gilgal. So it was, it was uphill all night long right there. This was a 20-mile trek they were on. Can you imagine this traveling with all the fighting men and all their gear and the things that they had? They were traveling uphill to that city. The Lord routed them before Israel killed them with a great slaughter at Gibeon. Chased them along the road that goes to Beth Horon, or Beth Horon, and struck them down as far as Azekah. If I'm not saying these words, these, these cities right, bear with me because that's, that's the best I got. <laughs> so, <laughs> with that being said, Beth Horon was another eight miles. So they walked 20 miles all that long. I want you to get how big this was because I thought it was just they went here and then they went downtown and they went they went to another place and it wasn't that big of a deal. But if you if you put the distances in here, you'll see just how grand this kill this was. So they walked all night long uphill 20 miles to to Beth Horon or to this first city where they attacked at. Beth Horon was another eight miles. Azekah was another 18 miles and. Mecca was another 17 miles past that. Are you following? So they were doing some traveling. It was 20 miles uphill to Gibeon, where they first started their attack at, 8 miles to Beth Horon, right? And then it started a downhill slope because it said he de they descended. 18 miles to the second, and then 17 miles to Mecca. 
And it happened, so all this is going on right here, and it happened as they fled before Israel and were on the, the descent of Beth Horus. So they're going downhill now, right? That the Lord cast down large hailstones. It cast down. He cast down large hailstones. They just didn't fall from the sky, but the Lord was throwing these hailstones down from the sky, right? <clears throat> large hailstones from heaven on them as from uh, as a as far as Azekah, and they died. There were more who died from the hailstones than, than the children of Israel killed with the sword. So with that being said right there, the Lord cast down large hailstones, it says, so large, large enough to kill a man. I would picture a hailstone that was large enough to kill a man would have to be pretty good size. It would probably have to hit the man in the head, wouldn't you think? Or it could be, have, it may have been a smaller hailstone that had enough velocity. They taught me a long time in science class that you'd rather be hit by a Mack truck traveling two miles an hour than 115 grains of lead traveling 3,000 miles, uh, 3,000 feet a second. Are you following me? Yeah. So it was either the size or the velocity that was killing these people, but but I'm picturing that it's probably in their head. And and this distance that he was throwing these casting these hailstones down was 18 miles. He, so can you imagine casting a hailstone 18 miles and have enough velocity left on it to kill a man? You think about that. That's from my house where you know where I live. That's from my house to Liberty, Missouri. God was casting these hailstones with that much accuracy that it only hit the Amorites. <laughs> Didn't hit any of the Israelites. Because yeah. they were chasing after him, right? Yeah. But it was only hitting the Amorites and it was probably hitting them in the head and killing them. Mm -hmm. And more of them died like that than from the Israelite sword. You ever read that out of the story before? Yeah. Do you believe that? Yeah. Happened in the Bible, right? It says it right there in the Bible. We showed it. Showed you in the Bible, so yeah, that's easy to believe. We can we can say that. I'm going somewhere with all this. So in verse 12, it says this. Then Joshua spoke to the Lord in the day when the Lord delivered up the Amorites before the children of Israel. So what's it mean by he spoke to the Lord? He prayed, right? Joshua prayed. They had a problem, and he prayed. And he said in the sight of Israel, Sun, stand still over Gibeon, and moon in the valley of Agilon. Go ahead. So Joshua prayed to God. And the next verse, 13. So the sun stood still and the moon stopped. It stood still. It doesn't say it slowed down, does it? It says it stood still and the moon stopped, came to a complete stop till the people had revenge upon their enemies. Is, the, is this not written in the book of Jasher? Now, the book of Jasher, if you study this out, the book of Jasher was a book of songs that they used to have that's no longer in existence today. So they say, isn't this written in our book of songs? So the sun stood still in the midst of the heaven and did not, did not hasten to go down for about a whole day. About 24 hours. Now, they, they said in, in their terms, they said that the sun stood still. But we know how it works now, right, with the science and the technology that we have today. The sun is always standing still. The earth is rotating in a circle that takes 25 or 24 hours, I mean to say, 24 hours to make one revolution. It's also at the same time, 365 of these revolutions goes around the sun one year. You with me? You tracking yeah. with me? Yeah. Kind of like a clock. God's clock. He can keep track of days. He can keep track of years. All these things. This right here, right? So when the world stopped, what do you think happened on the rest of the world? The other side that was dark. Can you imagine that today? If you woke up this morning, the sun didn't go down for 24 hours. Or if you woke up this morning, you were, you were not where the sun was at, but it was dark for 24 hours. I bet a whole lot of us would be praying, right? <laughs> oh, Lord, I've been left behind. The rapture's happened. Please touch me today. So, so it stopped for a whole day right there. It said that the sun, if you, if you study this out more, I said it out more. Gibeon was in the east. That's where the sun, sun stood still at. And Agilah was in the west. 
And Gibeon, the, the children of Benjamin, inherited after this was all over with. And the tribe of Dan inherited Angela. Are you following me? Do you believe that? Yes. you believe that happened? That seems like a pretty tall tale, doesn't it? God just stopped the earth from spinning. Can you think about that? Can you imagine the power in that right there? I think the earth is spinning, when I read about this, the earth is spinning something like 18,000 miles an hour. With that much mass when it gets moving, can you imagine the power that takes to stop? Just at his word. Yeah. Just at his word. He just said it, and it was done. So if you can accept that that's a fact, if you can expect, if, if you can accept the fact that God spoke the earth into existence, the sun, the stars, the animals, the moon, all with his words, yeah. he spoke it into existence. Why couldn't we believe he stopped the earth? Come on. He does all these mighty things, all these, all these great things. And surely if a man has enough sense to build a clock out of this earth, and the moon's spinning around it, right? All the same time this is going on. The, the moon's spinning around because the gravitational force of the earth. Y'all, that makes sense to y'all? Surely if a man has enough sense to, to build a clock that's that precise. It's went on for thousands of years. It doesn't have a battery. It's never had to be wound. Ever since he spoke it into existence. Surely if he has enough sense to do that, surely he has enough sense to stop it, right? Yeah. So there's no doubt in our minds that God can do that. And 14 says this. And there has been no day like that before it or after it that the Lord heeded the voice of a man. For the Lord fought for Israel. Right there, that sentence right there just jumped out when I read it. For the Lord fought for Israel. For the Lord fought for Israel. Nothing's impossible when God's on your side. Right. Nothing's impossible when God's on your side. Do you believe that? Yeah. I believe that the Bible is absolute. You have to believe the whole thing from yes. the front to the back. Yes. Everything in here is true without doubt, without question. If you question one thing, you have to question. If you throw out one thing, you have to throw the whole thing out. Amen. Yeah. It's absolute. I believe it's absolutely true. It's above, even if we can't explain why it happens, or we don't understand why it happens, God's a lot bigger and he's a lot smarter than us. Amen. My little town brain can't comprehend what he can do. So, so I believe that the Bible is absolute. And if you agree with me on that right there, if we can accept that, or if we have the faith to accept that, that God created the earth. He created everything in it. He created man. He stopped the earth. He could throw hailstones for 18 miles with accuracy enough to hit a man in the head. We can agree on those things, all those things right there. Why can't we accept the fact that God can, can he, he's got this right now. Amen. In this moment that we're living in. Yeah. We doubt him in our everyday life. We can believe these Bible stories and all the things that's back back here that he did when, when and the things that happened when Jesus walked the earth and all those things. And we see miracles and we see healings in the church all the time. But what about our everyday walk? Amen. What about our everyday life? We doubt God in those times. Yeah. Our faith isn't strong enough to believe him for a loaf of bread, but we can believe that he stopped the earth. Yeah. <clears throat> so why can't we accept that he's got this right now? The small things, yeah. what we consider small things, when we look at Joshua, it seemed like a huge thing. Mm -hmm. If you think about how much power that it would take to stop the earth from spinning around. But, but we, we doubt God about him not delivering on something, on what we need today, on the right now. Matthew 6.33 says, Seek ye first, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all this other stuff will be added to you, right? Yeah. So what yeah. Jesus was saying, this was Jesus talking, right? Yeah. You believe it because Jesus said it. What Jesus was saying was, be more like God. Yeah. Be more spiritual. Don't worry about the other things. If you're being more like God and you're being more spiritual and you're busy pressing into God, all those other things that you've been worried about are going to fall into place. Amen. God can stop the earth from spinning. Come on. Yeah. 
Surely he can deliver you from your addiction. Surely he can pay your bills. Surely he can give you a job, right? We know in this church that God's got jobs. We've seen so many people get jobs. We know that God has jobs. Yet we're hard-headed and we won't listen. Even though Jesus Christ said it, we're hard-headed and we won't listen. I heard a story this week as we were preparing. Actually, it was in a book that I was reading for my um, ordination. And it was a story about a young missionary who had just went out in the field. It was their first assignment. And she wrote to her superior and said, Oh, it's just terrible out here. The conditions are horrible. I can't stand this. And talked about all the negative and, and how the conditions were and all the things that went on with that. And, and her superior wrote her a letter back. A couple weeks she got a letter back and said, Daughter of the king, if you don't like your conditions, change them. Your father is rich. God's got the means. He's our supply for everything. Nothing is impossible when God's on your side. You get that? Nothing is impossible when God's on your side, yet we doubt that. Instead of worrying and complaining and trying to fix it yourself, be like Joshua. Joshua, he was working on being more spiritual. When they had problems, they were being attacked by five different uh, cities at the same time. What did say he did? He spoke to God. He stepped back and did some praying. And God said, don't fear him. I'm gonna, I put him in your hand already. And then God started chucking hailstones down at him. God stopped the earth. When the momentum swung, God stopped the earth. So they could have enough time to get revenge on their enemies. Did it not say that? Did it not say that? He spoke to the Lord. He prayed. Instead of being worried about those things, be more like Joshua, though. Be more spiritual and take time to get a hold of God. Instead of worrying about taking care of the situation. Joshua could have tried to do it himself and got himself into a lot of trouble. He could have got himself dead. Right? 1 Corinthians 5, 7 says... We walk by faith, not by sight. You have it we walk by faith, but not by sight. We should be walking by our faith, what we believe to be true, more than what our five senses tells us. What we believe to be true is more real than what our five senses tells us. Are you following? It's going to last longer than what your five senses tell you. More than what you can see, smell, hear, uh, taste, and touch. Well, I'm, I'm talking about our faith lasts for eternity. God's promises last for eternity. We need to rest in His building. His ability, not my ability, not your ability. And so many times we're carnal. We're carnal buckets. I preached this a few weeks ago. We are in our heads, especially as men, I believe. We're in our heads. We're going to figure out how to make enough money to do this. We're going to figure out how to get our families over there. We're going to figure out how to provide for our families. Are you following me? To be there for our families. Mamas want to do that. They want to nurture and coddle the children. Give them to God. Give them to God. Rely on His ability. Saturday night we were on our way to the church and we had we had some pastors to do. We had to we had to we had to come and, and encourage some people. Are you following me? So we prayed on the way over here because I knew I was inadequate in my own ability. I don't have the words to pastor you. I can't. I can't do it on my own. I can't do it. My wife can't do it on her own. We had to depend on God. We had to rely on God for that situation and ask Him, Lord, your word says, remind him of his word. Lord, your word says. Your word says that you'll supply the words I need, the exact words I need at the time when I need them. And I'm going to need you to stand true to your word tonight, God. We're going to need you here tonight. We're going to need you to give us the words. And can I tell you that the meeting that we had went smoothly? Uh It was over quickly. It was faster and better than we we could have expected it to have been because we prayed first and gave it to God. We could have came here, tried to do it on our own ability, and messed somebody up and failed miserably. And spend half the night here trying to pray and ask God to fix our mess up. Are you following me? So we need to rely on his ability, not our ability. I had a dream this week also about being a pastor. God speaks to me a lot through through, through dreams. And we were having church somewhere, and some of you all were there. 
It wasn't this church, though. We were in a school, we were in a, I think it was a school gymnasium. We were in a gymnasium anyway, and I got up to preach, and I don't know if all pastors have this dream or not, but this is not the first time for me. But I got up to preach, and I had to spend my time in preparation, and I didn't have anything to say. Yeah. Nothing at all prepared. And I don't know if any of y'all know that feeling, but it's, it's a terrible feeling. I, I call it a dream, but it was more like a nightmare. And I had people on the platform singing who I had approved for to be there singing, and they didn't know what to sing. Because we were relying on our ability. Yeah. Yeah. And we hadn't put the time in with God. We, we, we were relying on our ability to prepare for service. And the anointing was gone. Nobody had anything to say. The anointing was gone. The singers didn't know what to do. The church, This church had become about activities. It had become about the ministry more than it became about the presence of God. Yeah. Are you following me? The church had lost the anointing in this dream that I had. The church lost the true meaning. His ability. If it's on my ability, it won't be much. Amen. It won't be much at all. If I was preaching on my ability, I would have been out of sermons about three and a half years ago. About three weeks into it, we'd have been done. Amen. We could have went ahead and closed up and moved on, went back home and sat in my front row seat. <laughs> I'd love to be back there. <laughs> it's a lot easier there. So, so it has to be on God's ability, not our ability. God already has a plan. Yes. Do we realize this? He already has a plan, and we mess it up by making our plans. Yeah. Yes. Joshua could have went and made his plan of how he was going to take over these five nations, right? These yeah. five cities. Yeah. But instead, he fell back on God. He prayed to God. He relied on God. Church, we have to fall back to God. We have to rely on God. We have to pray to God. We have to do it his way. Who would have thought the master of the universe knows what he's doing? His plan will work every time if we'll submit to his plan. Brenda hates it when someone messes up her plan. Amen. A lot of us do, right? How do you think God feels? Yeah. When he has a plan that he's had from the beginning. He knows the end. He knows what's going to happen tomorrow. We have no idea. But us in our little pea brains think that we know better than God. That's a pretty big feeling, isn't it, for us to think that way? That's pretty conceited, I think, and pretty high-minded for me to think that I know better than God and I'm going to make a plan that's beyond his plan. It's going to supersede what his plan is. That sounds silly, doesn't it? Yet we do it all the time. We do it all the time. We need to realize that God has a plan. And not get in the middle of messing up his plan. How do you think he feels about us messing up his plan with our silly little plan that we make up? Right? Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That tells me it's because of his strength. Not because of my strength. And those things, all those things tells me that nothing's impossible when God's on my side. Hebrews 4.14-16 says this. Seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast to our confession. In verse 14 right there, the high priest is Jesus right there. It says that very clearly. And the high priest, in the Old Testament, you'd have to go and take your sacrifice and, and, and take it to the high priest, and he would take it into the, to the holiest of holies, and he would make our sacrifice for us because you couldn't go to God on your own because there was sin involved, right? But since Jesus came and died on the cross, we're, we have our sin wiped free through, when we come through his blood. We're free of sin, so now we can go boldly to the throne room of God. I'm going to show you this in Scripture today. Are you following me? So Jesus is the new high priest. So Jesus is our intercessory, he's our intercessory prayer for us, right? Are you following me? Does that make sense? So he's the one that does this for us. And it goes on to say, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast to our confession. This word confession right here means, the Amplified says, faith in him. Yeah. Confession means let us hold fast to our faith in him. So we're holding fast to, fast to our faith, faith in Christ. We all say that we have faith in Christ, right? We have faith that he's going to deliver. We have faith that he's the source. We have faith that he's the healer. Right? We have, we have faith in all these things until the wind blows. 
And as soon as the wind blows, we our, our faith blows out the window with it. Then we start speaking things on our head on ourselves. We start saying things that we don't really want. We start grabbing up our, our, our things mentally and physically sometimes and trying to take care of ourselves. Right. Right? Even though we're claiming we have faith in God, yep. we're busy with our own plan. Yeah. That's not gonna work out very well. So so when the wind blows, that's a storm. We all have storms in our life, do we not? If you're not in the middle of a storm right now, hold on a minute. It's going to come. It's going to happen. You will have storms in your life, especially as a Christian. If you don't believe me, ask Brett and Crystal. They had the devil attacked them so hard because the fall of forgiveness was coming up. I, I, I don't believe that the devil knows what the future is, but I do believe that he knew that something big was going to happen on that day. Are you following me? And he knew that 20 souls were going to come here and, and make a commitment with God. And even if they're not sitting here this morning, they still made that commitment yesterday. They still know. They're made aware of it. Yeah. Are you following me? So the devil's going to attack things like that. When me and Brenda first came to this church, I think we had 11 people die that were in our close family uh, within the first year. Yeah. I've never had any that many people die in my lifetime before, I don't think, in a year. Until we, we, when, we, when we came to this church and started passing this church, the devil attacked. He's going to attack. Yeah. That's going to happen. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weakness, but was in all points tempted as we as we are yet without sin. He yeah. didn't sin. Jesus was tempted in all the same ways that you're tempted. He can sympathize with it because he's lived it before. He lived here in the flesh. Amen. The same, same way we live here in the flesh. He was tempted by, by the devil himself. Yes. But he resisted those temptations. Are you following me? So he can sympathize with those things. You can take to God whatever it is that you have. He's your intercessor. He's our direct link to God. Yeah. Are you following me? Yeah. And he can sympathize with those things. He lived in the flesh so we can take yes. them directly to them and, and, and know that he understands. Yes. That faith that you say you have in him, we have to know that he understands that. Amen. He understands every situation that we're going through. He understands failures. Are you following me? He understands stress. He understands worry. He understands fear, doubt, and unbelief. He understands all those things. You think he hadn't experienced those things? He sweat blood in the Garden of Gethsemane. Yeah. Waiting to go to the cross, he was sweating blood. I haven't heard of you all do that. I haven't heard of any person doing that lately. I mean, nobody that I know personally. So we know that he can sympathize with those things. For mm -hmm. we do not have a high priest. Oh, we already read that one. Come on, it says 16. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need, in every time of need. In every need that you have, turn to him for every need. Realize that God is the source. Have our faith in him. From small things where we can grow our faith in, we have to believe in him for small things. Yeah. If we're just busy taking care of all the small things for ourselves, how are we going to build our faith up to believe in him for a mountain? Yeah. To move a mountain. Yeah. We've got to exercise our faith daily, mm -hmm. day in and day out. Right. Usually hundreds of times a day for the small things. Right. For the small things. And when you can believe in God for the small things, then when it comes to a big mountain jumps out in front of you, then you can believe in God to move that. But if you haven't been building your faith, he gives each one the measure of faith, right? Yes. The Bible says not, not to think more highly of yourself because he gave to every man the measure of faith. Yeah. So he's given you the measure of faith, but you have to develop that faith. Yeah. Each and every one of you are responsible. I'm responsible for developing my faith. You can't just call up on the pastor every time you need something. Yeah. You can, but it's better if you have faith yourself and we can agree, we can come into agreement. When two or more are gathered and they agree, what's the Bible say? It shall be done. Yeah. When you're building your own faith and I'm building my own faith and Brother Stephens built his own faith, then when we come together corporately, this church would be a powerhouse. Amen. Do you get that? Yeah. Yeah. Amen. So we have to rely on God for the small things 
so that we can we can see him, we can have faith in that equal, we can develop our faith, and then when a big thing comes along, we can we can rely on him for that. Yeah. We can believe in him for that. So he's our source for everything. Ephesians 1, 19 through 23 says this. <clears throat> and what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us who believe? Who's he talking about? He's not talking about the world here, right? To us who believe. Who was given the faith? The church was given the faith. Anybody who says they believe in God, God gave you that measure of faith. Yes. No man can talk you into that measure of faith without God dealing you that measure of faith. I may as well be talking to you about the Easter Bunny today. Are you, are you following? So God had to deal you that measure of faith. So us who believe, you have to have faith to believe. So he's talking to us according to the working of his mighty power. <clears throat> which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his own at his right hand in the heavenly places. So the same power that he used when he raised Christ from the dead, we have access to. Come on. Yes. Are you following? Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> far and above, Christ is far and above all principality, power, might, and dominion, and every name that is named. Yeah. What has a name? Everything. Poverty, Everything. cancer, sickness, depression, Disease, time. Joshua stopped the earth, did he not? Jesus has power of all these things. And every name that is named, not only in this age, but also that which is to come. So Jesus is our intercessor to the church. Yeah. Would you say that? Because it says he's the head and we're the body. Yeah. The church is the body. You can't take your head off and leave it here and go to the bathroom, can you? It doesn't work very well. So spiritually, we're seated next to him in heaven. We have access to those same things. He's our intercessor to go to God right there. We can come boldly to the throne room of God. Does that make sense? Yes. So the Bible says the prayer of a righteous man availeth much. The prayer of a righteous man availeth much. So if it availeth much, nothing's impossible when God's on your side. God fought for Israel and God will fight for you today. So who's a righteous man? You're never more righteous than the very moment that you're down at the altar and you pray for God to forgive you your sins. I'm talking about a brand new baby Christian. Brand new reborn baby Christian. Because we mess up sometimes after that. We have to go back to God and ask for forgiveness again and then we're made righteous again. So we're righteous, wouldn't you agree, from the time that we're saved. So if the prayer of a righteous man avails much, that tells me that a brand new baby Christian, a, a newborn, you got saved last night at Fall But Forgiven. You have more power and more authority than the devil himself. Yes. Think about that. Yeah. Think about that, church. A righteous man avails much. You have a you have a link, a direct contact right to Jesus Christ. Yeah. Isn't that what the Bible says? Who's yeah. seated right next to God. Yeah. Right next to God. And he loves you so much he sent his son to die for you. Think he doesn't want you to have it? Come on. Yes. And we can believe in all these big things, but what about the small things we need today? What about the light bill we got that needs paid? Yeah. Whatever the situation is, whatever, what about the addiction that we need broken? Whatever the situation is, we have to believe in God for those situations. Um, on Wednesday morning, God was giving me scriptures. God speaks to me a lot in the shower. I don't know why he picks in the shower. Then I got to try to remember it. I got to holler at Brendan and say, text this to me. Or I'm in there with a video recorder talking about it while I'm trying to brush my teeth and get ready to, to get to work that day. But God was speaking to me to these things. And, and it's, it's an ongoing thing. It's not all at once. Y'all have God speak to you that way. It's all throughout the week, all throughout my life. God speaks to me here and there, and something will jump out at me or whatever. And, and he, he calls me to realize this week that he's keeping me busy. 
Because the devil could keep you busy yeah. and keep you yeah. away from God, right? Yeah. Or you could listen to God and he'll keep you busy to keep you away from sin. Yeah. And the Spirit quickened me that week and showed me that's what he was doing. He was keeping me busy at the Word and giving me things to do and, and fellowshipping with me because that kept me out of doing things I shouldn't be doing. Not that I'm about to fall to any sin or anything like that. I'm not, I'm not saying that, church. But, but what I'm saying is God just quickened me and showed me this. And, and he does this to keep me on the right path, to keep me busy. He does it to some of you all too and to all of you all for listening to him because he loves us. Because the Bible says he wants not one to perish. Amen. Amen. Now think about our kids for a minute. He loves us in that way to, to, to correct us and to fellowship with us and, and to lead us and to guide us. Don't we do the same things with our children? Yeah. I do the same things with my kid. Katie is, I mean, I mean, we're in their quarter. Katie, I have to keep down here for an example day. Katie, we try to teach her spiritually. She's not a kid anymore. She's a young lady. But we try to teach her spiritually, first and foremost. We try to teach her biblical things. She's a very spiritual, spiritual young lady. We try to teach her spiritually. We, we, we care about her education. She finished high school. We're, we're supporting her through college. We haven't paid for college. We have too many kids to pay for college. But we're paying her insurance and doing some things to help her get through college, right? We're pouring into her. Right. Same way God will do for us. He'll expect us to do some things for ourselves, but he'll pour into us. And he's in our quarter. We help Katie get a new car, right? Because she needed a car to get back before the school. We help Katie build her credit up so that she can one of these days get a house and get out of my house. <laughs> Are you following me? God, God's, he, he's not so much an enabler, but he is in our corner. He, yeah. he will help us with what we need. Yeah. We're setting Katie up for success. Yeah. Don't you think God wants the same thing for us? Yes. That's why he has all these 3,300 promises. He wants to set us up for success. You're his children. We're his ambassadors. We're supposed to look like him while we're here on this earth. Yeah. Why wouldn't he want us to be successful? I hear all the time people talk about preachers on TV and they got this big fine house and why they need that and they're disgruntled about this preacher having a house. Why wouldn't you want to follow a preacher who's blessed? Right. Yeah. Right. Really? Do you want him to be broke? God's wanting to set you up for success. Why wouldn't you want to follow a man who's successful? Right. Who's obviously living some of it. Just like your kids though, you're special to God. We're all special to God in our own way. That's why he calls all of us. And that's why he makes us all a little bit different. Because he wants to have a relationship with each and every one of us. Yeah. Right? So we're special to him. Sometimes we believe, though, that he loves us. And sometimes we believe that we're special. We can believe that part, right? right. We believe that he loves us. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believed in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Amen. Right? So we believe that. We believe that we're special to him. But we have a hard time believing that he's on our side. So many times when we get in the middle of a storm, we have a heart. Where's God at? Yeah. Yeah. I don't feel him right now. I don't have goosebumps right now. So where's God at? Where is he at? We have a hard time believing that. We have a hard time believing that he's working in our situation. Isn't that doubt? Yeah. So we doubt the very God that we claim to have all this faith in. Come on. We doubt God in the middle of a storm. It's hard to get into faith when we're in our plan. That one right there hit home for me. Because I'm really bad about trying to figure things out and, and, and get it worked out myself. It's hard to get into faith. It's hard to get in faith with God and, and even believe with other people. Join our faith together when I'm busy carrying out my own plan. Are you following me? We hinder ourselves by speaking things on ourselves. It's not God that brought those things onto us. You follow me? When we get in the middle of our plan and things aren't working, so we start speaking negative things over our lives. And then we start to get the things that we speak. Proverbs 18, 21 says, Life and death is the power of the tongue. And those who love it shall eat the fruit thereof. Right. It says it right there in his word. He warned you against saying things uh, negative against yourself. So then when you're talking negative about yourself, you're talking negative about your kids, you're talking negative about your marriage, you're talking negative about your finances, and you, worry, and you wonder why you're broke. And then you're mad at God because you are broke. 
Because his word's working and you're getting what you say you're going to have. Yeah. And then we're mad at him because we, we, we indulge in our plan and our thinking. And now we're mad at God because he didn't work it out the way he said he would work it out. Yeah. Come on. Yes. When we're not, in his, we're not in his will. We're not in his, we're not in his favor. <laughs> we're mad at him because we think he hasn't delivered in one area or another. When he's working his plan out, regardless of what your plan is, his plan's going to work every time. His word's going to work every time. It's a seed. It's infallible. It's going to work every time if we'll work it. The problem is we're busy with our own plan. We have more faith in man than what we have in God. We have more faith in ourselves, our spouses, than what we have in God. We definitely have more faith in the doctor than what we have in God. Come on. So we're mad at him because we, he didn't deliver the way that we think he should be delivered. We say he didn't heal sister blah blah blah. He didn't heal this person or that person. But God didn't cause that hindrance. God didn't make those people sick. They're sick because of sin. And he didn't cause the hindrance of them being healed. Maybe you caused the hindrance. Think about it. Maybe they caused the hindrance. Maybe somebody else caused the hindrance. But we need to get it down. We need to understand this. Y'all get quiet right now. But church, we need to understand that God did not cause this. God, it's not God's fault. He didn't cause the hindrance in, the, in, in, this, in this plan, in our plan. If you believe he loves you and you believe you're special to him, and you believe that he's on your side, you have to believe that he's on your side then. Are you following me? If you believe those things, you have to believe he's on your side. An example, again, is your kids. How do you feel about your kids? If you have a normal, healthy relationship with your kids, you'd die for your kids. You'd lay your life down for your kids. Do I need to remind you that Jesus did? Yes. Jesus did lay his life down for you. You think he's not on your side? Someone who would lay their life down and die for you. The most painful, horrific death that man could ever dream up. Practiced on thousands of men. He went and went through that for you. And you want to believe that he's not on your side? How does that even make sense? How can we even distort that to make any sense? He died for a couple of different reasons. He died for our salvation so that we could be we could be in fellowship with God, so that we could be, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Reconciled. That's it right there. So that we could be reconciled back to God. Last night at Follow Up Forgiven, you saw people come down and give their heart to God. They made new commitments. Amen. I'm proud of you all. We've been, we've been in these missional meetings for six weeks now. For those who don't know this new here today, we've been in missional meetings. We've been doing role play. We've been talking about the Holy Ghost. We've been, we've been uh, talking about ways to minister outside the church walls. How to lead people to Christ on your jobs, at your school, in, in the hospital room when you're there with your family, wherever it may be. But don't bring them to the pastor. Don't, don't depend on getting them into the church and then the pastor getting them saved. Because you're going to meet people that we never meet. You're going to meet people that Brenda never meet. So... We have to rely on each other. We are the church. I'm not the church. We are the church. We're all the church. So we've been in meetings every Wednesday night for six weeks, or every other Wednesday night for six weeks doing this, right? Yeah. That's not the end of it. Some of y'all stepped out and it it made huge steps last night, and it felt great, didn't it? For the all who led led, led someone to God last night, it felt great. It felt (laughs) awesome. It's a spiritual high. I was on a spiritual high when I left here last night. (laughs) I had a sermon to prepare today, and I couldn't get my head even to come close to that right there because I was so spiritually high. I was, almost, I was almost drunk last night when we left here. Spiritually, I'm talking about. Yeah. Are you following me? Yeah. That doesn't end right here. That's what Jesus died for, for you to be able to do that, to be his ambassadors, to lead people to Christ, to tell people about him, to do what he would do if he was here on earth himself, physically, in a physical manifestation I'm talking about. It doesn't end here. You have to continue to invite people in. You have to continue to lead people to God. That was just a little taste of it. A little taste of it. His church should be out there doing it all the time. The second thing that he died for was to be our supply. 
to be our source, to take the authority and things that the devil had tricked Adam into giving up, taking it back, giving it back to us. He says in Luke 10, 19, I give unto you true power. Does he not? You can yeah. smash vipers mm-hmm. and scorpions on your feet. You can walk all over the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. He says in verse 20, don't rejoice in that right there that your name, but, but rejoice, don't rejoice that that the spirits are subject unto you, but rejoice that your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Yes, amen. Yes. The two reasons he came to die for, the two main reasons he came to die for, I believe. So he's our source. The Bible gives over 3,300 promises. He's promised to us. Think he doesn't want you to have them? How can we not have total faith in that? We should have more faith, or as much faith in that as knowing that God stopped the world. Yeah. As knowing that I didn't come from a monkey. Are you following me? God created me. I know that. that I know that, that I know that, that I know that. And no one can say anything to convince me otherwise. So when the wind blows, we shouldn't turn our backs on our source. We shouldn't revert back to our plan. That's when we should press harder into his plans. We should press harder to him. When the wind blows, we should get alone in our prayer closets. We should fast. We should pray. We should spend time with God. And sometimes we need to shut up and listen to him. Sometimes we've got to shut up and hear from God. Wait for him. Just wait upon the Lord and wait till we hear from him. We have to realize, though, that God is our supply. He supplies all of our needs according to his riches and glory. And nothing is impossible when God's on your side. I mean, absolutely not. If he has the power to stop this big ball of dirt that's moving 18,000 miles an hour on a dime and hold it there for 24 hours, tell me what's impossible. Tell me what's impossible. He has the power to scrape up a pile of dirt and breathe life into it. And a man forms and gets up and walks off. Tell me what's impossible. Think about the miracle in that. Even scientists today, when they're studying men, you know our bodies are made up of, of, of all the minerals and things that are in the dirt? They've proven it. Tell me what's impossible for God. Tell me what's impossible for God. Church, we have to work on the small things. We have to work on our faith in the small things to build it up so we can believe in God for the big things. We're not seeing all, we see a lot of miracles in this church. I'll give you that. We see all kinds of healings. We see, we see a lot of miracles in this church. I mean, almost weekly, we hear of, a, of, of what I consider a large miracle. Any miracle is large, but I'm talking about a, a, a healing the doctors can't explain where the doctors will set someone down and said, you've got cancer, you've got, you've got this, you've got that. Things that are incurable. Things that are incurable. They, they tell them they have, and then they come, we pray for them, and they come back and they're healed. Doctors can't find any trace of it. That, that's giant. We hear that all the time. But we've got to believe in God for the little things. Amen. How are you going to believe in God to heal your body if you can't believe him for a loaf of bread? Mm-hmm. If you can't believe him for a pair of socks? Mm-hmm. Tell you everybody about it this time. Thank you. If that spoke to you today, I pray that you would make a new commitment with Thank God, you. that you would make a commitment with God.